This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome in to another edition of Bragging Rights. One episode this week, I was uh, moving from a uh, townhouse to an apartment here uh, in Atlanta, and I have been very busy, and then today was a ton of work, so uh, no need to give you guys two episodes. We're going to jam-pack all the information you need to know about our week six recap, week seven preview here in this mega episode. Before we get into all of the recap slash preview, uh, 10 games as always, let me introduce my co-host. My name is Madison. I'm joined as always by brother Pierce. Pierce, how are you? I'm well. I'm well. Yeah, you hit on it. Pretty busy weekend. Uh, not just the the wild and crazy, by far best weekend of college football we've we've had all year um, up to this point. But uh, yeah, you it was a lot of moving, a lot of furniture moving, a lot of a lot of sweating outside, and uh, and and even on Saturday, had to miss some of the the starts of some of the games, which I I I, I do not like to do. So um, it was a busy weekend. Uh, you know, I was not even gonna gonna push for a for a full recap episode because I know how stressful moving this, um, and and you had some you know craziness going on, especially on Monday. So, um, but but glad to glad to get back and and cover uh, you know another uh, maybe a down week in college football, but. You know what's funny? I, every time I feel like we have a, a just an okay week, that weekend delivers. So we'll see how this uh, this weekend goes. Excited to get into it. I certainly had more trouble picking the 10 games that we're going to preview this week than I've had previously. Usually I can get to about seven or eight no-brainers. Um, this week was there was literally like two, I think. There were honestly probably only like one. Let me let me ask you which 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 of the 10 was the most was the most difficult because I had one that totally stands out. Oh, to, to have to select. Yes. Um. Well, the the Baylor BYU game. I'm like, why am I putting this on here? But to be honest with you, it was like a matchup we don't normally see. Um. And then I would say, I mean, honestly, a lot of them. Uh, UCF Cincinnati was one that certainly okay. would be two two headliner programs previously group of five, but this year maybe a little bit down and out. Uh, Nebraska Minnesota. Only reason I picked that yep. game. Uh, I don't want to get too much into it, but there was an interesting reason I picked. Not super interesting, but I do think that's one that you know could potentially start to see some momentum uh, gain with one of those fan bases. Uh, and then NC State Boston College. The, those those there, four, ding those ding ding. That game, I didn't even have a, a a a baseline to begin at, like to start at. I didn't have a starting point on that game. I just kept going. Well, dang, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I. I, I really couldn't figure out which way to go in that game. But not a um, ton of ACC action to choose from. That is sure. But the couple that are good are going to be pretty good games. Uh, Alabama starts their revenge tour. Your Horn Frogs taking on uh, the Sooners and Norman, and then of course undefeated Kentucky and Georgia in Athens. So, um, well, don't get me wrong. As as difficult as it was going through the NC State Boston College game, I think that might be one of the sneaky best games of the weekend. To be quite honest with you. It could be before we get into uh, previewing week seven, let's go ahead and recap very quickly uh, week six. I know that you've got a few games you want to touch on, but I'll go ahead and just kind of start reading out the scores. Uh, The first one, the Red River rivalry, number six, Oklahoma Sooners and the number 21, Texas, well, 21 at the time, Texas Longhorns. The final in that one in a thriller, 55-48, Spencer Rattler, 
uh, gets benched in this one. Caleb Williams looks like he will probably be the starter for here on out for the Sooners. Uh, I will say, I don't know of any time where a previous Heisman front runner to start the season gets benched not due to an injury. So very weird things happening with the Sooners down year for quarterbacks. Uh, what were your thoughts here, Pierce? I know this is one of the ones you wanted to comment on. Yeah, and I'll keep it light. Um, you know, I'm sure you can go back and find the ticket. So maybe I'm slightly off here, but I think I came on here week three of this season and started clamoring um, that if OU wanted to be taken legit, they needed to bench Rattler in favor of Williams. And, and, and that was as evident as could be on Saturday. Look, <sighs> You know, it's tough because Texas looked so good for the first half and had that big lead. But being a resident Big 12, as you like to call me or refer to me as, uh, the lead's never safe in the Big 12. So you knew it was going to be if if one thing got, you know, got kind of changed or tweaked, you know, from here to there on that offensive side of the ball for OU, they were going to be able to put up points. I mean, they weren't really having as much trouble. It was just kind of anemic with Rattler at the helm. Um, and and they put Williams in, and he was a spark plug. And um, so big takeaway, you know, OU now, that was uh, always the biggest game of the season for them. Do they get slipped up here uh, by somebody maybe lesser thought of than, than a Texas or an Oklahoma State? Um, we'll see. But, you know, interesting to see how Texas moves on here. I, but I think the storyline is obviously Caleb Williams. Um, I think he will be the starter from here on out for the Sooners. Yeah, the Sooners could sneakily find their way back into playoff discussions, uh, so we'll have to see. I don't think that they – I think it would be typical uh, Oklahoma style to go in the playoffs and get blown out if they do make it, but lots of games still to be played until then. Arkansas, Pierce, and Ole Miss had an old-fashioned shootout in Oxford, 52-51, the final score there, Ole Miss taking it. Um, I mean, you, Arkansas was a really good feel-good story up until two weeks ago, sitting there undefeated. Now they've lost their past two. Very questionable decision uh, from Sam Pittman to go for two when he could have tied up the game and forced it to overtime. Uh, I've heard a lot of mixed reactions with that. You know, there's the mindset of, of play to win the game, but then there's also the whole, you know, hey, you, you go for go for what you can. Um, in college, there's no guarantee he's even going to make the kick. But that being said, Sam Pittman goes down swinging. They do not convert the two-point conversion, and they lose in Oxford 52-51, to like I said. But I, I I, don't like moral victories, but I think that's a moral victory to prove that you can kind of keep up with Ole Miss. They are uh, – they score early and often, I should say. Well, and their defense is bad, though. So um, you, you, I kind of thought – I think both you and I thought that – Arkansas was it was going to be a little bit more of a get right game on the offensive side coming off that shellacking to Georgia where they didn't put a point on the board. Um, yeah, this was a, I mean, listen, I said it to you with the two thirty Georgia game and us getting all excited and coming off the move so miss or coming off moving stuff so having the first quarter and missing that and kind of switching back and forth too often you didn't really get to settle into a game and it was funny because you and I, I looked at you late you know later that night and said. I can't believe we haven't really even talked about how amazing those those 11 o'clock games were. Um, and this one's one of them. I think this was the game of the year thus far, in all honesty. Um, what Matt Corral did just to will his team to victory was astounding. Um, I, I, I think he is – I know he's not necessarily the betting favorite. He's a close, I think, believe second um, for the Heisman. I think he is my, my clear-cut favorite right now to win. What he was able to do, very efficient. Didn't go for a ton of yards passing, but with that 3-3-5 style defense that Arkansas runs, 3-2-6, with all those DBs on the back end, you got to pick your spots. But what Mount Corral did with his feet was uh, really kind of the difference in the game. I actually actually applaud Sam Pittman in this one. Listen, say what you will 
about that decision. Yes, Arkansas was able to move the ball pretty consistently, actually pretty much at will, but so was Ole Miss, and there was no reason to believe that Ole Miss wasn't going to continue to do that. So ultimately, he knew that he probably needed to go for it because Ole Miss would probably be able to just barely hang from the offensive standpoint of things. Um, the, 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 the real issue I had was where Ole Miss had been just getting throttled all game was, was on the ground. And to, to have that roll out and kind of force your hand and, and minimize the field and, um, you know, end up having to just kind of throw one up there, jump ball, kind of irked me a little bit, especially when you have such a big bruising quarterback um, and, and a good rushing game to, to, to go with it. But uh, fantastic game. Definitely, I uh, think, pro- think I, well, I was going to say probably, I definitely think this was the game of the year. Just, uh, just a joy to watch. Uh, another game that was a joy to watch, probably not for the rest of the country, but for us, because we are, of course, at the Bragg and Rex podcast, unabashed Georgia homers. The Bulldogs go to the Plains and take down Auburn 34-10. to 10. Really no doubt at all in this game. It was the first time that Georgia had um, trailed all season when Auburn got the first points on the board. But after that, it was all Georgia uh, the whole rest of the way through. Bo Nix showed his butt in the game a little bit uh, in some of those post-game remarks. But here's the thing, whether or not some of those calls bounced your way or didn't, uh, 34-10, to 10, just an absolute curb stomping from the dogs uh, in the sense that this is a really big rivalry and uh, we are both old enough to remember when we would lose these games or these games at least weren't um, – guaranteed and they're not they're ne- they never are rivalries never are but but to to have a 24 point win over a bitter rival feels really good I know you've got something to say here Pierce uh, so uh, just give your uh, thoughts here on the dogs and the tigers yeah I'll keep this one pretty simple um kind of went you know I think you would say the same exactly how we thought it would um and and as you know maybe stressed as you were because it is a big time rivalry and it was our first true road test of the season with a full crowd like this you know a little nervous there to see how the guys come out and play, but it was a rather stress-free type of game. And and at the end of the day, uh, I actually do think, you know, not only did it settle me down to go into other rowdy environments, because Jordan here is, is, is really, really loud, but also, listen, there's some things now, you know, they did get a touchdown on the board. There's more bulletin board material for Kirby to say, hey, guys, we got to clean that up, letting Tank's, Tank Bigsby score that touchdown, you know. Let up a couple big, t- uh, kind of got leaky there right before half to allow them to get down there. And I think they failed on fourth and fourth and goal, but they still, you know, so which was a win. But still, you know, they moved the ball 70 yards or whatnot on that drive. So some things to clean up, but um, all in all, yeah, just a pretty thorough uh, beating by, by Georgia to go down to Auburn and get this W. The Boise State Broncos and the BYU Cougars, 26-17. to 17. Not a ton to say here other than BYU dropping a game. I believe that was their first one uh, of the season. They were number 10 headed into this matchup. Uh, not all is lost for BYU, but for an independent who is not going to have a conference championship game, you probably think that's about it. Turnovers were the name of the game. They're going to need to clean that up when they head to Waco this weekend, Pierce. Uh, anything to say here? Should I move on to the Wake? Uh, you can you can pretty much move on. I just heard it was a really sloppy performance by BYU, but I did not watch this game, so um, not not too much to add. But yeah, I just heard it was a an not. There was just everything went wrong yeah. for BYU, um, which pretty much had to go wrong to get this loss. The Wake Forest Demon Deacons stay perfect, heading to the Carrier Dome, taking down Syracuse forty-two thirty-seven. 
Uh, not a ton to say here. Went to overtime. A fun game if you like two stinky teams. Um, but uh, that is all that ha- that is all that to be. Uh, I can't I can't even think of words because I got nothing to say about this game. Wake Forest way to go. They remain perfect on the season. The Penn State Nittany Lions and the Iowa Hawkeyes. This was a fun one, Pierce. Twenty. Uh, I'm sorry. Twenty three to twenty is the final. There. Iowa remains undefeated. Uh, at the end of this one, Sean Clifford was probably the difference maker here. Penn State was thoroughly in uh, control of this game until he got hurt. So is the name of the game. That's just what happens in sports. You hate to see it. You want to see everybody stay healthy and the best team win. But Iowa squeaks it out. You got a storming of the field at the end of it. And, uh, you know, we, we've been talking about the return of defense. Iowa gets it done. Who knows? They're, they're trending right now to go to the playoffs, but they do still have on the other side of the conference, Ohio State waiting for them, presumably Ohio State at the end of the season. You know what's funny? Uh, kind of, I think this exemplifies how great of a weekend last uh, Saturday was, or great day Saturday was. I forgot about this game. We were running through which games would you like to cover. I, I laid out the three we've already covered, and then Alabama were the only three or four, and then boom, this one comes up. Yeah. Would have loved to see how, uh, you know, Penn State probably does win that game, I believe, uh, with Sean Clifford. He was playing pretty well. And it was clear once he went out that that poor backup, you know, if, if uh, Spencer, what's his name, Levis for, from Kentucky, he would have been the backup this year if he had stayed. That, that, that kid was just Will not Levis. ready to go in there. Yeah, Will Levis um, was not ready to go in there, the backup for Penn State this year. Uh, Iowa pulls it out. That's the name of the game. That's the name of the game. But after seeing this, uh, you know, I know it's Penn State. I know they're a top top ten team arguably maybe top five, you know, they showed me at home in that rowdy environment that they can be beat when they throw, you know, lay some duds on the offensive side of the ball and can't move it and aren't getting those big, big, massive plays from a, from a defensive standpoint. Yeah, I mean, I know that you listened to Unnecessary Roughness as well, a Barstool po- uh, sports podcast. Brandon Walker had a take that uh, the backup quarterback is an endangered species. These these quarter, these college coaches have their work cut out for them because now with the transfer portal, uh, they not only have to recruit the kids into school, but they've got to recruit them every year to stay. And if you are a backup quarterback after your first year, year and a half, why, why don't you transfer? Will Levis, to that point, could have been the backup at Penn State, doesn't win the job. He uh, now is lighting it up at Kentucky, and they're undefeated. He's got them in a really good spot. So, uh, you know, hey, these the, the best coaches are going to be the ones who can have a full quarterback room. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, the backup for Sean Clifford just was not able to get it done. Michigan 32, Nebraska 29. Michigan's uh, slight scare there. Late field goal to get it done to keep Michigan perfect on the year. I really thought that Nebraska was going to have a chance to upset them here. Um, no one's talking about Nebraska anymore. We kind of wrote them off. And I'm, I'm not saying that they're a good team. They're a stinky team. But things are trending up. I, I really think that uh, right now sh- uh, Scott Frost is doing enough to cool his seat at least a little bit. Uh, Notre Dame, Fighting Irish 32, no- Virginia Tech Hokies 29. Another one that I thought we were going to see the upset here, Pierce, but it doesn't happen. Notre Dame gets it on a, another late field goal. 32 to 29, two games that finished with that score. Two late field goals to get it done for the favorite. Inter Sandman would not be. Justin Fuente's seat does get hotter. Uh, the LSU Tigers uh, lose in Lexington 42 to 21. The Kentucky Wildcats coming away with the win there. Headed to Athens next week to take on our Georgia Bulldogs undefeated. It is the first time since I believe 1950 that they have uh, been at this point six and zero on the season. Maybe it was five and zero last week. I can't remember. But point is, this is already a historic season for Kentucky. Will Levis is the name of the game. He is absolutely um, 
leading those cats. Despite his weird eating habits, he's leading those cats to really great places. I would never would have thought that I'd see Kentucky put up 42 points versus LSU, but you got two teams, one trending up, one trending down. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this one? Uh, you know, I really think the only takeaway that I have is, um, you know, it, it was pretty clear. LSU's, uh, you know, if it wasn't clear already, LSU has quit on their coach. Uh, all these guys opting out to get those, uh, you know, take care of those nicks and bumps and bruises and get the surgery that they, uh, you know, could have maybe put off until the end of the season. Um, you know, it's sad. Orgeron's a lame duck. Uh, he will be out. I think the big question from this game is, you know, does he, uh, does he now after getting throttled like this? Because here, okay, I, I will go into this a little bit. LSU was able to move the ball a little bit on Kentucky. They just couldn't really put it in the end zone. Um, so it will be interesting to see. Uh, you know, obviously Max Johnson gives him a fighting chance, but how everyone else is going to do. I think the big question is, does Coach O make it to the end of the season uh, before he's let go, which I think LSU is really trying to do. But if it keeps getting worse, um, we shall see. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you. You do have a locker room there that looks like it's given up on its team or no, on its coach rather. So we'll be interested to see what LSU does um, in the coming weeks. All right. Last but not least, the Alabama Crimson Tide, previously number one in the nation, had not lost to an unranked opponent in one hundred games. They fall in College Station to the unranked Texas A&M Aggies, forty-one to thirty-eight. Everybody's seen the video now, Pierce of. Uh, Seth Small's family and wife at the end of the game, the late kick to ice it and to lift the Aggies above Alabama. Um, Jimbo Fisher, the first ever assistant to beat Jimbo Fisher, uh, a previous assistant, I should say. I really thought we would see either Elaine Kiffin or Kirby Smart knock off Saban first, but uh, Jimbo, the one to get it done. Uh, and you, we'll get into this in our previews, but I would hate to be whoever plays Alabama next. Yeah, and it's a very interesting one this week because, I, I mean, listen, this game was so wild to me. I, did I think that A&M could hang with Alabama at home in this type of environment? I, I did. I thought they might be able to hang around for a little bit. I didn't think in a million years that they would be able to beat Alabama. And there's two two things that really stood out to me. First, I mentioned this you know, after the, after the Florida-Alabama game. Florida was able to dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball there. A&M was able to do that against Bama here. And A&M came into this year projected to have great offensive-defensive lines. Defensive line's been pretty good. Offensive line's been very, very average. It may average at best, to be quite honest with you. And both sides of the ball there dominated uh, this Alabama front set or front, you know, front seven. And they were able to run the ball. And then, obviously, they don't win this game if, if Calzada doesn't have uh, the highest, I think it was the highest passer rating of the last, like, five years or something like that. The the two guys, the two names behind him were like Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence, something ridiculous like that. Um, so he obviously played out of his mind. Legendary performance from him. He is now a legend there, a, a, a folk hero. He's uh, he's a big-time guy now on that campus. We'll see if he can put it uh, together. He did get dinged up. Um, I, I'm not going to lie. I don't think we're, we're covering this game, but, boy, I, they're in a scary spot with the, with going to Missouri Next week, if Calzada doesn't play a good game, you know, who's not to say that they might have a letdown here. But anyway, going back, uh, the line of scrimmage play for Alabama is very sketchy. I don't know how they're going to survive. But I will say, again, what it took from uh, from this team, from 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 Alabama to lose for the most part was Calzada throwing the ball and being very good in that field. 
Mississippi State can get hot throwing. That's what they do. So we'll see uh, how they do on the line of scrimmage against Bama. They did beat AM, so who's to say? Uh, maybe we're going to tell what this, this Alabama team is made of because they got beat. They got beat. They got out physical on Saturday. Typically, teams that get out physical have trouble getting up. So we'll see. We'll see how this weekend goes. Sure, certainly, um, it won't be an easy test. I believe it's in Starfield, so it won't be an easy test. It sure is. Um, all right, before we get into our Week 7 preview, I actually did take record of what we who we picked this past week. You want to know how we finished? We had one game that we differed on, and I was the victor in that one, the difference being Syracuse and Wake Forest. Uh, Syracuse got six points, and then they lost by three. I went five and five, about fifty percent. That's like what I do on and every single week in college football. It feels like NFL. I do pretty dang good in NFL. Uh, college football is where I lose all of my money, all of it. Uh, you went four and six. Not a terrible showing, but not great from you either. I have no idea where well, the season stands at this point. I hit on this. All. I don't either. I'll have to add it to my spreadsheet tomorrow and see. I did not update it today as I usually do. You know, I'm just looking back through this. Uh, you know, we we obviously. We're together this Saturday, so we were able to kind of bounce ideas from a from a uh, you know picks perspective on Saturday. I have Texas on here. I picked them last week. Of course, I told you on game day I went OU. Um, so there are a few on here that are, are are tough for me to look at look back on. But um, yeah, it's uh, I've been okay, not great picking the last couple of weeks on here. But I need to pick it up on my easy peasy. Those are going south in a hurry. So not sure, uh, not sure really what's going on, but. Um, Definitely got to find out a new strategy here. I do think you had a better weekend uh, than our dad. If his uh, one bet that he placed through me is any indication, he looked at me right before Alabama kicked off and he said, put a hundred on Alabama to cover the first half line. They did not. So I uh, had to promptly Venmo request a hundred dollars from him because well, are you kidding me? You do know that it was like they had hit the first half. Oh, I know. I told uh, him that spread that. like fifteen times in a row. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's, that's why right. he did it. He was like, "Do it," and he sat there in his little goofy Hawaiian Georgia shirt that he's got to wear every single week now because it's his lucky shirt, and, and uh, bet a hundred dollars right before kickoff, and that did not age well. Maybe uh, we'll all have better weeks this week. Let's get into our week seven preview, Pierce. Like we've already teased a little bit, not a fantastic slate, but still some diamonds in the rough. I wanted to cover this first game because I really believe that things are turning around for Nebraska. Now, I'm not saying they're back by any stretch of the imagination, but I really didn't think that we'd be see, the, see them rather uh, sticking with teams uh, and this next matchup this week could do a, a, a good amount to kind of solidify that take from me. The Nebraska Cornhuskers headed to Minnesota to take on the Golden Gophers. That game is at 12 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Two, like I said, Nebraska is sitting at three and four, but they went to overtime with Michigan State uh, at Michigan State. Um, they barely lost to Michigan at home. They lost, well, and maybe now this Oklahoma game doesn't look as great, but they lost to Oklahoma by less than a touchdown, or rather by a touchdown. Uh, so things are, like I said, trending upward, I believe, for the Cornhuskers at least this season. Uh, the spread is they are actually road favorites four points giving those four points to Minnesota Minnesota on the other hand sitting at three and two so far on the seasons the losses coming to Ohio State and Bowling Green um interesting um all right here's the thing 
I really, like I said, I really think I'm trending upward with Nebraska, but the question is whether or not they have the kind of punch to get things done. It is on the road. Uh, Minnesota's down, but PJ Fleck can always get his, you know, don't de- discount PJ Fleck. I should say things have been tough for them ever since they had some, some injuries to start the season. Um, I'm going to go to Nebraska in this one. I, I really do think that things are starting to swing the Cornhuskers way. I think that they're going to look pretty good in this one. I think it's going to be close, but I think that they win this one by closer to like six or seven points. Um, and, and it starts to, first of all, it cools off Scott Frost's seat, uh, uh, keep, continues to cool it down. Um, and it's one of those that Nebraska can kind of hang its hat on and, and, and bring hopefully into the recruiting season. Nebraska is one team that I wouldn't mind seeing get back uh, to its former glory. I don't really want to see Miami as a Florida State fan. Um, you know, I don't really want to see some other teams as well. But but Nebraska would be fine with me. I think that that would be a fun team to see in its glory as well. So I'm going to be I'm going to be uh, sneakily rooting for the Cornhuskers this week as well. But I like them minus the points. Uh, so we have our first disagreement here. Um, I, I agree with a lot of what you said about Nebraska. I do think that they are. Looking a lot better now. Can they keep it going? I feel like this is just the classic spot coming off that game last week where they played so well and 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 did everything that they needed to do to win. Had the ball in their hands with a chance to go down there and win the game, and to lose in that fashion at home when you know you had had done everything right is very difficult. Now they go on the road to Minnesota, who. Certainly isn't an, a, a top team this year in the Big tw- uh, Ten, but you know I, I think they could maybe make a bowl game, and and I think that's kind of where Nebraska is. So the fact that uh, the the fact that Minnesota is is four point dogs in this one just doesn't make much sense to me at home. So I'm going to go with the Golden Gophers here plus four in what I think is a pretty big letdown spot for Nebraska um, coming off. Now now I'll, pre- I'll 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 finish it with this though. I think Nebraska will pick off somebody this year. They should have done it to Michigan, maybe Michigan State when they go to Lincoln. You know, I think it's the day at, it's like it's it's Thanksgiving weekend. So um, we'll see. I, I do think they're they're looking a little bit better and trending in the right direction. But I think this is a classic letdown spot. So I'll take the Golden Gophers plus the four. Also at noon Eastern time over on Fox, the number 12, 12 Oklahoma State Cowboys and the number 25 Texas Longhorns. In Austin, uh, the Pokes come to town undefeated. Nobody's really talking about them, but they are sitting undefeated. Not a marquee win, I guess you should say, that they can hang their hat on, but they do have the Sooners later on in the schedule. Texas did just face the Sooners, and they lost, like I said, in the Red River rivalry. Their other loss coming at, Ar- well, not at Arkansas. It was in Jerry World, but against Arkansas in neutral setting. Other than that, they've done really well this season. It's not quite to the the splash that they had to start the season where everybody was overreacting, saying Texas is back. Um, lo- great offense, fantastic offense. We knew that was going to happen when Steve Sarkeesian came to town. Um, you know, they had a little bit of quarterback issues, but Casey Johnson seems to be no, Johnson Thompson Thompson. Thompson, I said Johnson, that didn't sound right in my head. Casey Thompson seems to be the guy for Sarkeesian's offense. Last week, notwithstanding, had a couple of hiccups there. On the other side, Oklahoma State has been really not good on offense. Spencer Sanders has been putrid. Um, I didn't hit on it, but Texas has one of the best backs in the country, Bijan Robinson. To me, it's going to come down to the fact that Texas doesn't have a lot of defense. They are favored at home by five points, uh, but they have negative defense they've got it's not good uh so i think oklahoma state's gonna be able to move the ball and i just think that oklahoma state's going to be able to uh keep this one 
close. I like Texas to win. I think that they're going to be pissed off. I think there's an emotion coming home after the Red River rivalry. Uh, I think there's some some pissed offedness from the te- the Longhorns. But I think Oklahoma State keeps it close. I don't think that Texas covers this uh, five point spread at home. Um, and 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 I would be willing to say Oklahoma State money line, but I, something about the emotion coming back from a loss like that that I think Texas will be a little bit more up, but not a blowout style at all. So you went you went Oklahoma State there. I went Oklahoma State plus the points. I'm, 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 I had to, I had to ask because I, I'm, I already penciled in Texas for you there. I thought I was going to be sneaky and, and get in Oklahoma State here. Now it makes me want to switch my pick. Um, but I'm going to go Oklahoma State too. Listen, I think, uh, you know, I heard something today that I, was a very good point. You know, how do teams typically react, or how do you think a team's going to react coming off a big, big loss, especially in the form and fashion they did in you know, when they're not fighting for a national championship and they are a national championship, they aspire to win the national championship. How are they going to do in what they deem the biggest game of the season against our tribal? How do they respond? I think this is a tricky spot because typically it's not well, but when you have a first year head coach, you, you also, the, the expectations of the players is it's kind of a building season let's keep trying to get better it's not like doom and gloom when we lose one of these games because the coach has been around for four years and maybe puts it that puts his name on the hot seat so how are they going to react coming home i i'm just interested to see and the reason i'm taking oklahoma state here is i just think oklahoma state with their defense is going to be able to do some okay things against texas they'll get their points but i just think oklahoma state will be able to win on the line of scrimmage it's a put up or shut up game for me when I'm betting these two teams. Cause if not, if Oklahoma state goes out there and loses and doesn't dominate on the line of scrimmage, I think that's just a sign of Texas is starting to get things moving in the right direction. That's what I've been saying for years that they have struggled with, um, especially when they face teams like in the sec and whatnot. So I'm going to go Oklahoma state here. They are getting the points. I like that. I think this is probably more of like a three point game to your, to your standpoint. So give me the, give me the pokes plus five and a half. Yeah, you corrected me there. It's five and a half. That's what we locked it in. It has moved, according to what I use, uh, it has moved to five at this point. Um, But uh, we locked it in at five and a half. The UCF Knights Pierce and the number three Cincinnati Bearcats at 12 o'clock Eastern time on ABC. Desmond Ritter has been fantastic for Cincinnati, uh, and he is likely going to get – Assuming he stays healthy and assuming there's no major missteps from the Bearcats, he's likely probably going to get a nod to New York uh, for the Heisman. Uh, On the other side, UCF has had a little bit of a disappointing season. Losses to Navy and Louisville, which no one saw coming. Nobody thought UCF was going to necessarily be one of the group of five teams to be in the talks, potentially have a playoff spot as Cincinnati is. But, uh, you know, you wouldn't think you'd lose to either of those two teams. Uh, The spread is 20 one points. That is how much Cincinnati is favored by at home. And I'm going to not even tease it too much. Give me the Bearcats minus the points. They've been fantastic against the spread this year. They don't have many, uh, you know, chances to prove their worth. They've, it's kind of like, um, you know, when you were like in little league tournaments and when you were doing like the round robin play before you headed off into the, the, tournament style the brackets rather it came down to wins and losses but then it also came down to like you know how many runs you differential there was uh or or, you know in the cross how many goals were scored uh for me so here's the thing 
Cincinnati has to have a big goal differential to continue to stay in this conversation. They know that the committee very easily, if they're dealing with an undefeated uh, Iowa, uh, Georgia, and Oklahoma, those three teams are probably going to get in, and then you know they're they're at they're at next at large. But who's to say that uh, you know? I don't know. Throw you could you could throw a million scenarios there where they get left out. It's very, uh, you know, easy for them. So they've got to they've got to keep the style points coming. Desmond Ritter has to put up stats if he wants to be in New York, as I'm predicting. So I'm taking Cincinnati minus the points. Like, I think I already said this, but they've been fantastic against the spread. UCF has not. Twenty uh, one's a lot, but at home, I like the Bearcats in this uh, put up or shut up moment, as you said earlier. Yeah, I like it too. Um, I'm going to keep it pretty simple here. I. I you know, UCF has been pretty. They've they've blown me away. I, I I did not expect to see what was what kind of has happened and transpired with the, the Knights down there in Orlando with Malzahn at the helm. With Gabriel, I just thought they'd be able to put up enough points to to to, to beat a lot of these teams that they've lost to thus far. Um, I kind of wanted to take them here. I feel like it's the sharp play, uh, but at the end of the day, this is just a pick on the the sense that. Cincinnati knows that they have to go and dominate every game they play. There's no room for a close game uh, in any of these if they want want to have a sniff at the playoffs. So because of that, I'm going to keep riding with them because I do think they're a pretty good team, and I think they uh, go down there and do cover this spread. It it might be close. It might be close to the 21, um, but I think they'll be able to do it. I, I just think they need it too much and will come out on top. All right, the number 11 Kentucky Wildcats and the number one Georgia Bulldogs in Athens. That is the CBS game of the week, uh, 3.30 Eastern time, like I said, already on CBS. Um, I believe we got this at 22 and a half. I am seeing a current line of 23, but for our picks, we will pick this Georgia, the home favorite, 22 and a half points. Um this is this is a pivotal moment for Kentucky. I'm not because it's a pivotal moment for Georgia. Every every game when you're in a potential big time, I'm not even going to jinx anything. Run that we potentially are seeing from Georgia, where you look like we're the most dominant team in the country. But this is a pivotal moment for Kentucky. This is your put up or shut up. This is your are you as good as everybody thinks. This is your are you going to get just absolutely slobber knockered. If you believe in moral victories then even keeping this one close would be a big win for Kentucky. I don't believe they're going to keep this one close. I believe that they will score a touchdown. I think that Georgia um, will allow that. I think Georgia allows a touchdown and maybe a pair of field goals. I also think that they are not going to be able to run like they've been. I also believe that Will Levis has not seen a defensive line like he has seen, which is one of the reasons why he has dazzled uh, and they've been able to to move the ball a fair amount. Um, I take back that they're going to get a pair of field goals because that would mean they do better than Auburn. I don't think see, foresee that happening, although maybe this is a better team than Auburn. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a touchdown. That being said, there's no way they're stopping uh, Georgia enough for how much three and outs they're going to face. Um, they're going to have to, they, they're going to have to get creative, which could happen. I don't think Mark Stoops is the kind of coach that I've ever seen that can get super creative. Kentucky's always kind of had the same MO. Um, is Stetson Bennett the guy to lead Georgia to the national championship? Perhaps not, but he's been fine. Uh, the running backs have gotten better. We don't have necessarily a, 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 you know, a star back this year, but the running backs have been 
better. Uh, the but I will say the Stetson to Lad connection has been fantastic. Brock Bowers, who was not super involved for, during uh, versus Auburn, uh, has been fantastic as well. So there's just not a ton I can point to that go. That's that's Georgia's Achilles' heel. It's going to have to be Kentucky coming in and just absolutely putting Georgia back on their heels. And we haven't seen anybody be able to do that yet. And I don't think Kentucky's going to be able to. So I am going to take Georgia minus the points. Um, until they prove otherwise, it's kind of Alabama territory for me right now. Minus the points. They're they're a, they are an elite team this year. So Georgia. Yep, couldn't agree more. Um, I have read reports this uh this week, um, as the dog is uh grunting at me and moaning. Um and it's funny we're talking about dogs. Um huh. yeah, but I'm pumped. Uh I have heard JT Daniels has thrown the last two days and not been sore, which is definitely good um, for his progress. You know, definitely makes you think that there's a slim chance that he could be out there. Um, I, I think that we're, it's going to be Stetson again, um, give him another two weeks to rest before the Florida game um, and, and be 100% healthy. Because Stetson's doing exactly what he needs to do um, and playing at a really good clip. And, and he went in and beat this Kentucky team last year. So he knows what he, what he, what they have going in. Uh, when you look at this Kentucky defense, the Kentucky defense from a secondary level, they did lose some stuff last uh, from last year's squad. They're a little bit more leaky on that side of the ball, especially on the back end. I look for Georgia to come out and and throw early, and once they start to kind of you know pick them apart on the back end, and they have to back off a little bit, then Georgia kind of similar to what you've seen all year, especially against. Uh, against Auburn last week, and then just kind of let, lay the hammer um, with the run game. I don't know if Kentucky – listen, Kentucky – I think Kentucky's – what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to, uh, you know – listen, I think they'll be able to run a little bit. But you saw last year, even when they when, when they didn't have somebody to throw, they didn't have that threat, you know, they just couldn't do much. So I don't know how effective it will be or if it'll be effective enough to get a big uh, – you know, a big – couple touchdowns uh and and that's gonna take a put a lot of pressure on levis and i'm just not sure he can do that i'm kind of looking at maybe a similar score to last week um but you might also be looking towards a score more similar to arkansas i think this is a route um as uh it's just not a good it's just not schematically and what they do well it's not a good spot for kentucky so i like georgia minus the 22 and a half to uh to win in another another uh impressive performance Breaking news, Spencer Rattler no longer a registered student at Oklahoma. So uh, that's that's big. That is big. That's huge. I didn't think that would be the case because now something happens to Caleb Williams. They don't have anything. Mm -hmm. So Oklahoma, you went from, uh, you know, probably being the biggest 6-0 frauds in the country to now being scary, uh, potentially, you know, like you said, one, one bad roll of an ankle away from your season's done. And we saw what happened when uh, that happened with Sean Clifford and he went down the year of the back or the, the extinction of the backup quarterback is coming as Brandon Walker said, all right, BYU and uh, the Baylor bears. That game is at three 30 Eastern time on ESPN BYU uh, suffering its first loss last weekend against Boise state Baylor uh, lost to Oklahoma State a couple weeks ago, but did get back on their feet against West Virginia. Baylor at home favored by six and a half points. Uh, BYU's the, the the home field advantage has been kind of what's given me the the uh, chutzpah to pick the Cougars. I don't know 
and and forgive me, I don't watch a ton of BYU football, uh, contrary to what you might believe. Um, that being said, I think Baylor can cover this. I'm not Baylor. I think BYU can cover this. Um, I think that BYU is. Um, they've got some question marks. We obviously already knew that they were going to be replacing a ton of talent headed into this year, and they've they've lived up to the billing. Um, I think that they're going to be able to stay tit for tat with Baylor. I think they're going to be able to, to move the ball a fair amount. Um, and I, I think that ultimately it's enough to cover this six and a half point spread. I think Baylor wins. I think BYU covers not a ton of analysis there. That's not why you, uh, you bring me onto the podcast. We bring that for Pierce, but uh, my heart and soul says pick BYU. So I'm going to do it. That's what I'm leaning. I should say. Well, you, you set me up for failure there. I don't have, uh, I'm not going to bring much to the table here from a statistical standpoint or, or, or throwing out a bunch of names. It's just simply a spot play for me. Um, I, and, and, and call me stubborn. Maybe that plays a little bit of a, a role here. I'm going BYU. I've been riding them all year. Obviously I got burnt last week, which, which sucked, but getting points against a team that I think is probably pretty equal um, if not, maybe slightly uh, less talented right now than this BYU team. Um, I don't think. Listen, everything went went wrong last week for BYU. That ain't gonna happen again. I, I am a little bit worried about Baylor being at home. That's a weird, weird environment to play in. A sneaky, tough place to go play. Um, hard to get up for that game, but also then you step into a, a crazy, crazy environment. So. Will be interesting, um, but I think BYU has a rebound spot here. I I actually kind of like the money line here, but um, certainly plus a six and a half. I don't see this getting out of hand for uh, the Cougars, so I'm back in BYU. All right, the Miami Hurricanes and North Carolina Tar Heels. That game is also at three thirty Eastern time on the ACC Network. Two teams that have had very disappointing seasons. Miami, of course, having that big uh, matchup versus Alabama to start the season, and it's not been good uh, this, throughout the entirety. Derek King is out for the season. He uh, is going to have season-ending surgery and be done. Uh, North Carolina, on the other hand, like I said, also disappointing. Uh, they last week lost to FSU. Go Knowles. Uh, I believe Mac Brown now is like 0-8 at all time against FSU, which is just an unbelievable thing to think about. Um, 3-3 three and three on the year. Didn't think that's where they'd be sitting at this point. Uh, and I, you know, at this point, Sam Howell's out of it because North Carolina's not doing anything to, to put Sam Howell in it, even though I do believe he's very talented and will do very well on Sundays. Um the line pierce that we got it at seven and a half points. It has dropped down to seven, but we'll be picking it at North Carolina, the home favorites, seven and a half points. Um, I cannot in good conscience think that Miami is going to travel to Chapel Hill and keep this one close. I can also not in good conscience think that North Carolina is going to uh, not do something stupid and blow Miami out. That being said, when you're coming off of a loss to FSU, I think that you have to kind of get your crap back together, and I like Mac Brown to get his boys at home their crap back together. Miami, on the other hand, I don't think this team has an identity. They no longer have a quarterback, and I don't believe that they are going to – I mean, it's going to be a tough stretch for them, and I don't believe that they have what it takes to go into Chapel Hill and uh, you know win this game. Uh, can they keep it close? That's where the question lies, and I'm going to say no – because of the De'Eric King thing. I don't even know lick about their backup. Couldn't tell you who he is. Um, he might be fantastic. He might be a Tua Tungabailoa type. I don't know. 
That being said, I'm going UNC on this one because I I can at least evaluate what I see and what I know I have versus Miami, which I don't know what I have yet with them until I see this team develop a bit of an identity. Uh, so I'm going to take North Carolina minus the seven and a half to get it done when they return home, licking their wounds a little bit. Yeah, this uh, this game stinks. Uh, this game was another difficult one in a long line of difficult choices, decisions to make for from picking these games. You know, both these teams have been very, very, very crummy this year. Um, you know, whether you thought they were going to be better or just average this year, I, I think they've both surprised at how how bad they have been. Listen, though, Miami actually has been statistically slightly better with Tyler Van Dyke, the backup quarterback, than Derek King. Um, certainly, you know, that doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. But at the same time, what you know, what there's nothing to really write home about for North Carolina. So this is simply just going to be a play that I'm, I just, I got to take the points. Um, I can't, like you said, I can't get in good faith, put money on or back Carolina here with how bad they've been. I mean, listen, didn't Florida state beat them in uh, Chapel Hill? Oh, was it in Chapel Hill? Yeah. I'm not sure. I thought it was. So that makes sense. Yeah, I thought it was. So, um, you you know, who's to say Miami yeah, I am going Miami. I'm going Miami plus seven and a half. That hook has me convinced um, because if this game lines on seven, then I can get the cover. And I don't think this game is going to be a blowout either way. So um, I'm going to go with the Hurricanes here plus uh, plus a seven and a half. All right. Well, Miami's not been good at covering the spread yet this year. So we shall see. Hey, uh, did you take Baylor or BYU in the last one? For my notes. I want BYU. BYU, that's what I thought. All right. The next game, the number five. Yeah, you heard that right. The number five, Alabama Crimson Tide, headed to Stark Vegas to take on the unranked Mississippi State Bulldogs. Will we see back-to-back unranked losses, Pierce? Uh, I'm going to lean a little bit new. The uh, <laughs> They are road favorites. 17 points is what we got it at. Uh, the big joke was when Texas A&M won, it was like, wow, that's crazy, blah, blah. And then immediately you heard everybody say, well, who does Alabama play next? Because I feel bad for them. You don't have enough cowbell in the world to deal with how pissed off Nick Saban is going to be headed into this game. Alabama is going to cover this spread very easily. Mississippi State's not a great team. Uh, you know, Will Rogers can move the ball, right? He's a pretty good quarterback. I'm going I'm to go ahead and say that. He's a pretty good quarterback. Um, and I think with a little bit more development, he's going to be very good. Uh, that being said, Bama has way more talent than this Mississippi State team. Uh, they're going to be pissed off. There's going to be a ton of motivation. They still control their own destiny. There's nothing to say that they can't beat uh, Georgia in the SEC championship, and then they're right back in the playoffs. So they know that. They're going to keep that in mind, and they're going to just be out for blood the rest of the season, starting with Mississippi State. Give me Bama all day long, 17 points. I sneeze at 17 points. It's going to be ugly in Starkville. And if not, I, I, I will – Eat crow on that one because that will be something. Uh, and maybe maybe the the callers on Paul Feinbaum who were calling in today uh, saying that's the end of the dynasty might have something to have a little bit more a uh, little bit more uh, reason to say that if they do lose another game. But I don't see that happening. Seventeen points is nothing. Give me the tide. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm going to take Alabama here. I, I, there are still a lot of question marks. I think they definitely got answered a little bit this past week. I mean, most notably, out the question marks for Alabama on the offensive and defensive lines. Listen, can Mississippi State exploit that? I, I don't know. I mean, certainly, you look at it, and Mississippi State beat Texas A&M at Kyle Field in, in College Station there. So, you know, 
who's not to say they can't pull off this upset, but I do agree. I, I think I, I'm just going to go off history here. It's not necessarily being the smart breaking down X's and O's um, because I'm just going to ride with the history that tells me Saban, these guys are going to be full of piss of vinegar and have their hairs on fire on, on come Saturday. I, I, I think this will probably, I really do feel this way. I think that this game will probably finish right around 17. So don't be surprised if we see a push. Um, but I, I certainly like Alabama to get out to a lead early in the, in this game and uh, not coast, but just kind of get that lead and, and never relinquish it or never get really too nervous about it. So I'm going to go Alabama here. It's probably not the smart X's and O's breakdown, but um, just, just falling. What typically happens under Saban teams when they're in this type of spot? We love a trend here at Bragg and Rights. All right, let's see here. The TCU Horn Frogs headed to Norman to take on the number four Oklahoma Sooners. Oklahoma off of that thrilling last-minute win in the Red River rivalry. TCU winning in blowout fashion at Texas Tech. The line that we got this at, is it still 13? Yeah, 13 and a half. Yeah, 13 and a half. Oklahoma, the home favorites, 13 and a half points. Um, here's the thing. Ain't no way, even with a new quarterback who seems to have a hot hand, that I think Oklahoma is a 13.5 point favorite than TCU. I also don't think that TCU is the type of team this year to go in and necessarily upset teams when, when, uh, with ease, I should say. That being said, if we're using the transitive property, which I know doesn't apply to sports, but in this case, we're going to use the transitive property. Oklahoma beat uh, Texas 55-48. to TCU lost to Texas 32-17. to I can't do math that fast. It's around 13.5, but you know what? I'm going TCU in this one because uh, I think that that behooves the Frogs to see how they were able to handle Texas. Now, Texas was in Fort Worth. This one is in Norman. But to your po- to your point, if, if something happens to Caleb Williams, you don't have a credible backup there to really help him out. He was the backup. Uh, Spencer Rattler being gone could, uh, of course, help your TCU Horn Frogs. But really what it comes down to, Pierce, is I don't believe in Oklahoma this year. I think that they uh, are do not have a great offense, which has always been their hallmark. Their defense, which we thought was getting better, doesn't look that great anymore. TCU, on the other hand, I think that they're going to be able to. Uh, I think I, I, I'm calling it right now. Zach Evans has a big day, and Duggan delivers just enough to get the Horn Frogs not the win, but to keep it close, closer to like ten. Well, I like it. I feel like you've been. Uh, I feel like uh, I've kind of stayed away from this TCU squad all year, and you've uh, you've you've gone uh, against them a couple times. I feel like uh, so nice this to see you back on the side. Of, uh, vote of. <laughs> no confidence that's the word on uh on uh, Oklahoma than a vote of confidence on TCU. I get that. And I get that too cuz listen their 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 defense is <laughs> that was this that was the talk of uh of this OU squad all offseason and and towards the end of last year was how much better their defense played and and thinking oh boy it's you know if that's how they play this year or close to it then it's uh you know we're in we're in great they're in great shape and not been the case thus far um TCU could definitely put up numbers, but I think it's gonna have it's gonna take a heroic performance. I've seen enough. You know, when I was there, I was spoiled with two years where, you know, they were anomalies. They stood out. They they weren't normal, and and kind of what you've seen from a lot of of TCU teams since then 
are when they do have a performance like they did last year, last week where they put up 50 plus points, there's a letdown on the horizon and it's typically the next week. Now they have to go to Norman. I, I think that this OU team, even though they could be in a tiny, you could argue a little letdown of a spot coming off that big win, you know, just maybe being a little bit flat to start. They're at home and listen, if Rattler was in, definitely I, I think that would probably be the case. But with Williams, this crowd's going to be juiced up to see him in person in Norman, uh, which they had been clamoring for him, you know, the last couple of weeks. So I think it'll be a pretty rowdy environment. I've got OU minus the 13 and a half. And uh, quite frankly, uh, really, really like the Sooners this week. Oh, okay. We differ on that one. You're not back and you're a moderate. Interesting. All right. The number 13 Ole Miss Rebels and the They've burned me all year. Well, yeah, I know. I know. That's why I typically don't like to roll with them. But something about this spot I like. A little bit of a letdown spot for Oklahoma. All right. The Ole Miss Rebels and the Tennessee Volunteers, the welcome home kind of for Lane Kiffin, or at least he's returning to Knoxville. Uh, Of course, the um, infamous former coach for the Volunteers. The game is at 730 Eastern time on SEC Network, and I believe that Ole Miss is favored by two and a half uh, points. That's Or do we got it at three? Ole Miss favored by three points on the road. What do we know about these two teams here? So what we know about these two teams, uh, we'll start with Ole Miss. Ole Miss can hella move the ball. And I use the word, the term hella because it's appropriate here. Matt Corral, he is in uh, the talks for the Heisman. Um, he is a good quarterback. Now, what they what they do on offense, they, they do negative on defense. They might as well just not even put anybody out there. You and me could probably pe- play better defense than uh, what Ole Miss does. This is just not, that's never been Lane Kiffin's thing. Uh, it's, and it's, it continues to not be his thing. Now, on the other hand, what we know about Tennessee is they started the season and it looked really good at first and it looked really shaky and now it looks good again now that Hendon Hooker's the quarterback. Um, one of the things Josh Heupel said when he came to Tennessee was, we're not going to necessarily stop a lot of people, but we're going to score a lot of points. So he's kind of maybe a little bit of that Lane Kiffin uh, style, if you will. And they have been putting up a lot of points, especially now that Hinton Hooker's there. Their offense looks uh, way more competent. Their defense is a little bit better than Ole Miss's, but not necessarily this this mega behemoth on the other uh, end of the ball. I Part of me wants Tennessee to win this one because that would be fun and chaotic. But I don't think they will. I think that Ole Miss is the more proven commodity. Matt Corral has played in these types of environments, these types of SEC environments. Uh, Hendon Hooker being a transfer, he's played in environments like this, but not SEC environments. Now it is a home crowd, so a little bit more friendly. Um, That being said, under the lights, I think Matt Corral delivers. I think Lane Kiffin, uh, after the popcorn statement, uh, is still. I think he's still licking his chops. He won't drop it. Uh, and he's, like I said, he's going back to Knoxville. And we all know how that ended when he was in Knoxville, the head coach of the Volunteers. It was not an amicable split, uh, and he, quite frankly, set them back a long way in terms of their coaches uh, and left them in shambles. Um, I like Ole Miss in this one. I like Ole Miss in this one by a lot. I wouldn't be surprised to see Tennessee score a couple times early and you think to yourself, oh, we're going to have a fun one. Um, But then I just think that Ole Miss outpaces them. I think it's going to be like, oh, Ole Miss scored. Oh, Ole Miss scored. Oh, Ole Miss scored. And I don't think Tennessee can stay with that. Um, So I'm going to take the Rebels in this one uh, minus the points. And I think, I don't even think it's going to be that entirely close. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I actually don't think this will be a, a blowout by any means, and, and it actually does worry me 
Um, you know, this is the second true road test for Ole Miss. Um, the, the first one didn't fare all that well, and now they're stepping into a rowdier environment who now has <clears throat> that delusional belief that they've seen two good performances against very crummy teams, and now they think, oh, boy, we might be seeing something here. Now, I certainly do think this team is better than advertised going into this year. Um, certainly, Hypo has found a guy that he can that can operate his offense at a high clip. And listen, this crowd, this crowd is going to be ruthless now um, that they have that. You know, they're looking better. They feel like they're maybe, maybe on the up and up here. Um, if nothing but not exciting. I just got to take this play on Ole Miss because I just have to back the more the, the quarterback that I can trust more. And and I get it. He didn't look great against Alabama, but he was the only bright spot. But what he's able to do, not only with his arms and his and his feet, but also his decision-making thus far has been impressive. I certainly think he's my favorite for the Heisman. And I just like them to be able to edge out Tennessee. I think they'll be able to score at will like you hit on. And, and Tennessee, don't be surprised if Tennessee does come out and maybe have a lead and hold a lead into halftime. Uh, but I just don't think they'll have enough here. I, I like I like Ole Miss to get this uh, this this victory and cover this spread of, uh, I think we got it at three. I think I at saw three, some two and a half yeah, as well. Moved to two and a half now, but we got it at three. I just like, I just, I just feel like I can trust, you know, when, when they're still, you know, you're still curious about certain sides of the ball um, in a matchup, just stick with what you know. And, and what I know is Ole Miss's offense is the best unit on the field in this one. They have the best quarterback and the best play caller on the field. Hopefully, hopefully, Kiffin doesn't get sucked into uh, to some some unique and interesting antics with all the people, you know, giving them hell um, down there in Knoxville. But I, I ultimately like Ole Miss to come out with the victory here and cover this small, small spread. But I will say the spread is baiting you to take Ole Miss. The sharp side has to be Tennessee here, right? I don't understand those words. You see these two to three. You see these two to three. I mean, why? What has really, really told you that Ole Miss shouldn't be six-point favorites against Tennessee here? You know what I mean? Like, they're wanting – it's almost like the bookies are wanting you or the books are wanting you to take Ole Miss at this number only to slide in on the other side with Tennessee and, and get you there. But we'll see. It'll be an interesting one. It will be an interesting one. It's definitely one you're going to want to have your popcorn for. Last but not least, Pierce, the NC State Wolfpack and the Boston College Eagles. That game is at 730 Eastern time on the ACC Network. Boston College, the home dogs, getting three points there at home. Um, All right, so what we know about these two teams, they're both sitting at 4-1, and losses coming to Mississippi State on the road and Clemson on the road respectively. Uh, here's the situation, though. Um, I don't think NC State plays on the road all that well, and I believe that Boston College has a more proven commodity. That's the that's the name of the game for me right now in my betting world, the more proven commodity. I do think that NC State is a decent enough team. Um, I like Devin Leary a fair amount. He did burn me before in the past, but I do like him a fair amount. They do play a little bit better defense nc state does but like i said on the road they're not necessarily all that great um in fact i believe their only road test came at mississippi state we know how that went down i don't think that they're going to necessarily rise to the occasion against a raucous boston college crowd 
I don't know if it actually gets Ross, raucous in Boston College, but it feels like a fun thing to say. I'm taking the Eagles plus the points here. They're home dogs. Are you kidding me? That you'd be stupid not to. They're good against the spread. I think they win this game outright for sure. I, I couldn't agree more. I uh, Listen, I like this NC State squad. I think they're a, a good, talented ball club. I think they're certainly better than they have been in years past. Maybe the best best team they've had in, you know, five to eight years. Um, I, I think this team is really legit. You know, certainly going down to Starkville week two was a tough test and uh, a rowdy environment that they weren't quite ready for. Um, but then, you know, they got Clemson. Not to say Boston College shouldn't have gotten Clemson last week, but you know, they got Clemson, so had that big-time upset there, first one to knock them off, uh, uh, you know, in the ACC. But w- what I told you before this was I just – toss-up game. I don't. I really don't know which way to go in this one. And, and simply put, because of that at home, I feel like I can put a little bit more faith on the road or on the home uh, underdog here. So I'm going to go BC plus the three. Nothing would surprise me. I think it'll probably be – a pretty good ball game, uh, maybe the sneaky ball, best game of the week if you are an ACC fan, uh, certainly. But I, I'm going to go Boston College here plus the three, and I do think they get this upset at home. I think that plays a major factor. All right, that's going to do it for our Week 7 pickums. but it's time for everybody's favorite segment of the week. It's time for Pierce's easy-peasy picks. This is not necessarily where we condone gambling, but it is where we tell you where you can win the money this week. So, Pierce, tell the people where they can win money this week. Well, this, this uh, you say favorite segment. I'm not sure after the last couple of weeks if it's uh, everybody's favorite segment. I think they're probably still listening if they are out of hate um, and, and probably disgust at how poor my picks have been. So I'm taking a different strategy this week, and I'm going back to what I know. And what I know, you know, the, the old phrase, keep it simple, stupid, kiss. I'm, I'm just going to keep it simple and, and, and trust my gut with what I know about my, my two teams. There's a teaser for you if you ever heard one. Georgia minus 22 and a half over Kentucky. Everyone's been waiting for this, uh, you know, for this Georgia squad to to fail to cover one of these large, ridiculous spreads. This doesn't happen here in this spot. Kentucky plays right into what Georgia does well. And 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 quite frankly, they're going to struggle to stop this Georgia team. It's going to be a raucous environment with game day being there um, if it wasn't going to be already. Um, so I like Georgia minus 22 and a half here over Kentucky. I think they win uh, by at least 24 uh, to 27, maybe even more. Next one, I teased it already. Got to go with the other team I know really well, and that is TCU. I'm taking Oklahoma minus 13 and a half. I mean, listen, I just can't get that that visual out of my head. Last year where Oklahoma came into TCU, and I thought TCU had the chance to pull the upset, and Spencer Rattler, of all people, threw it early and often all over the heads of, of this TCU defense. I thought they were going to be improved this year. They don't really look it. Um, it's going to be up to the offense to keep this close. I don't think they'll be able to do it going on the road, uh, especially with Caleb Williams being at the helm now. I like Oklahoma even more. So Oklahoma minus the 13 and a half. And then I didn't have a line on this one on my, my site, but I'm sure you can find it other places. Uh, I'm going to go back to the well with what's been a very consistent bet uh, over the last year and a half, and that is Alabama. Whatever the first half is, whatever the spread is there, Alabama first half spread. I think that they're going to come out with their hairs on fire. I think they'll get up. Listen, this Mississippi State team has trouble converting on their drives and, and putting up seven points. I certainly uh, I certainly think they'll struggle, but they also are one of those teams that seems to play better from behind. So I look for Alabama to come out hot, come out, you know, 
uh, really able to throw the ball on this this Mississippi State team. Get up. Um, I think the spread will probably be based off the full line uh, of 17. I think it'll probably be like an eight, eight and a half point spread first half. Um, I think Alabama covers that. I think they get to 10 to 13 or 14 pretty easily. Uh, so give me the Alabama Crimson Tide first half spread over Mississippi State. And let's see if we can just get it back on track here. I'm uh, fingers crossed. I'm praying for a, praying for a two and one to get the get the listeners back some some of their money. Yeah. Well, hey, I won't be touching that Alabama first half line for a minute. But uh, if it, if it comes roaring back, don't be surprised. Pierce is telling you here where to win the money. All right, that's going to do it for our week seven preview. Uh, a little bit of a week six recap. We'll be back next week with our normal lineup. Should be back to normal uh, next week. No major moves happening that I know of, at least. We'll we'll see. Uh, anything could happen. All right, hey, uh, you know where to find us on social media at Bragging Pod. That's bragging without the G. If you're not subscribed wherever you are currently listening, go ahead and do, hit us with a quick little subscribe it so you never miss an episode. Like us, favorite us, review us, do all of the fun things. Anything you can do to help the podcast grow is a big help to us. We might have a super fun secret project coming, so be uh, tuned in to our socials and to our personal socials as well uh, to see where that special project is taking place and when it is taking place. Pretty jazzed about it. All right, that's going to do it for us. We'll be back next week with your normal lineup and to uh, to recap how just how wrong Pierce's picks were. But until then, I'm Madison. And I'm Pierce. That was a cheap shot. Stay blessed, y'all.